1: Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Big week here around USC football program. We got the Trojans and the Ducks uh, coming up on Saturday night in the Coliseum. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about USC's first road win of the season over the Colorado Buffaloes. Friday night in Boulder. We got Keely Yore in studio, Dan Weber on the line on a Skype line it's going to sound a little bit better Keely I'm excited about that
2: I'm very excited it's <laughs> revolutionary
1: yes so we'll talk to Dan in a second if you have any questions or comments for the show podcast at uscfootball.com or if you'd like to call us or text us you can do that to 424-254-9141 is the number send us a text leave us a voicemail we love to hear from you we got texts we got emails we got voicemails to get to but we got to get to Dan Weber, see how this sounds. First time with Skype. What's up, Dan?
3: Hey, I'm pretty excited, too. I don't know. Uh, I can't hear myself, but it uh, sounds like uh, uh, the way to go.
2: Yeah, it's good. He's uh, like in my ears. It's so
1: clear. It's 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 much better. So people are like that. The, anyone that's complained out there is like, we don't like the connection Dan has. Let us know. Do you like this one better? Okay. We got a lot to get to uh, on the show today. We have to talk about the game obviously we were all out there but a new uh some breaking news today the ncaa will begin to pro begin the process to allow athletes to profit off their name image and likeness. there's not a lot of details yet um so it's they want this they want the collegiate model to stay around there that so what the board is saying was that athletes have to be treated uh must be tri- treated similar to non-athletes unless a compelling reason exists to differentiate. So basically, you're a student and you can like make money off your YouTube page. Why can't an athlete? So they want to fix that, which is good things. Any changes must, quote, ensure fair and balanced competition. Uh, there must be a, a differentiation between collegiate and professional opportunities. A reaffirmation that athletes are students first and not university employees. And then any change must, quote, protect the recruiting environment. So a lot of vague stuff. Um, they're going to meet back. I think uh, we'll know more in April. But they're basically, the board asked the leaders of all three divisions to create new rules beginning immediately, but no later than January of 2021. Uh, Dan, maybe get your thoughts on this uh, on this breaking news.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't – how do you even put out a statement that, that you're going to uh, – you know, be able to foster fair and balanced competition. I mean, for example, if a kid has a choice, say a kid growing up in Texas, and you got a choice between Texas A&M and Texas on the one hand and Rice on the other hand, and let's say Texas has 200 automobile dealers signed up at Texas A&M and Rice who will immediately sign you for your name coming out of high school to do commercials for that automobile dealership and rice probably is lucky if they've got enough automobile dealers in houston that'll give the coaches cars much less the players that to say you're going to be able to uh you know commit to fair and balanced competition just strikes me as as wacko i mean there is that's the problem in a lot of ways uh you could only have, you know, with Alabama and Texas and Texas A&M and Ohio State and LSU and Michigan and what have you and USC, if they ever get their act together, it's not going to be fair. You know, the Pac-12 basically should never be fair if USC has the right coach and the right people. Uh, so I'm not sure what are they going to do? They're going to say, well, y- y- you 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 can benefit from your name at As long as you don't benefit any more at one school than another school, uh, I I don't, uh, you know, they're going to have to explain that one to me because I don't know how do you make it fair between Ohio State and anybody else in the Big Ten, to be honest. Um, It's not ever going to be fair and balanced. It's just, it's not.
1: No. Keely, what do you think?
2: I mean, I think this is a good headline for the NCAA, but I don't think it means much right now. There's not really a a what or a why or a how all these things will happen. So I think it's just the first good press that they're trying to get the ball rolling. But there's no real tangibles right now of how they're actually going to implement this.
1: Yeah, they they had to do something because they were going to get left in the dust. Now, the problem is going to be you're going to go so far, whatever it is, but every state's going to come up with different things. So you're going to have to convince every state that like, okay, we didn't put this in here, which your state law is going to, you know, incorporate, would you buy into what we're doing now? And so it's going to have to be like a sell job to all these states, I think.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's probably, that's why they're doing this because, you know, everybody said, oh, California. And they... And I I hate to say this, but the real like the dummies running the Pac-12 said, oh, my gosh, what's it going to do to California? Oh, we're going to be out in the cold. Oh, my goodness. And then what do you know? Within like a a month, 13 other states are following California. And it's like you guys didn't realize that's what was going to happen? No, of course (laughs) they didn't. Larry Scott was, you know, one of the people saying, oh, you can't go down this road. It's going to be disaster. We'll be, you know, pariahs. No, you're not. You're going to be, you know, for the one of the few times in history, California will be out ahead actually doing the right thing, uh, maybe in terms of I don't know if they can get to the right place. But anything that takes a shot at the NCAA, I thought it was interesting. The NCAA still mentions the thing that created the NCAA, the motivation for creating the NCAA was back in the day, they did not want Uh, scholarship athletes ever to be considered as employees of the university. That was the number one reason that there is an NCAA. They wanted them, you know, never to have kind of the rights – uh, that employees would have or whatever, you know, whatever would come with being an employee of the university because they were, you know, scholarship athletes. So the NCA, it's interesting, they're still sticking to that one. You're not an employee of the NCA; you're just a student uh, who's getting a scholarship or whatever. And now they're going to be getting more, you know, monetary benefits. But the NCA wants to stick to. You're not an employee. You're not an employee because that puts them, puts the student athletes in a different place and, uh, and probably uh, you know a more difficult place for, for the NCA to handle them. But uh, I, they'll they'll probably do some, you know, big study and big committee and appoint some, you know, politician, you know, to lead it or some judge or whatever, and gosh knows how long this thing's going to take and what is it going to mean and what's it going to mean for title nine and you know women's athlete athletics and you know what's it going to mean for the the you know the different divisions and all of that i mean it's it's there's so much complexity here uh, you know unless they just open it up and let it be the wild west and have nobody in charge. Uh, but then what do you do even, you know, with the, um, NFL and the NBA, they have salary caps. They have to try to do something to keep the competition relatively fair and, and, and draft, uh, which are in reverse order to how you finish and all of that, trying to keep things even. I don't know how you do that in in college. You're not going to have draft of kids out of high school. Um, I, you're not going to have salary caps. I don't think. Uh, so it, it becomes really complex to say, this will be our solution. I, I don't know what that'll be. Yeah. We'll
1: see. It's the first step though, but you know, you got to give props to California. They forced the NCAA's hand, um, in this. Now other States too are doing the same thing. And, and you talk about like Florida, like California doesn't go into effect to like 2000, I mean, 2023 or something. Yep. and uh, Florida is like next year. So, <laughs> they, I mean, it was coming. It was this tidal wave. The NCAA couldn't ignore it anymore. So it was good on the states to basically force the NCAA to, to act where they didn't want to act. Now they have to, and they have to go fast because otherwise, these state laws start to take effect, and now they're going to be impacted. So they have to, and they have to come up with a good law that's good, that the states would buy into. Otherwise, now that you know, they'll just keep going through with their. Uh, lawsuits or their new uh, laws and everything. And then there'll be lawsuits. There'll be all kinds of crazy stuff. So I love it. Anything that makes the NCAA squirm is good by me.
3: <laughs> well, You know, the other thing is that they were in such a bubble that they didn't see this coming. Yeah. That it wasn't like, Oh, you know, we're screwed. We better get ahead of the train. And they, and the same with the PAC 12, that they didn't realize this is where the world is right now. They're not going to tell kids You can't benefit from your name or your image or whatever uh, like other non-athletes could do. That's not going to fly. I mean, that's just not the world that we're living in. And that they didn't get ahead of that is, you know, they're being dragged, you know, kicking and screaming. Uh, Or that, you know, the Pac-12 takes pride in, you know, being located in California, northern California, of course. Uh, You didn't see this coming. I mean, it just – you're right here how do you miss that the pac-12 could have been out in front and said this is where it's going let's go there and of course they got it wrong they said you know you're they, they blame california they blame you know the the pac-12 even was the one that was saying well those four california schools they're going to be screwed i don't know where what's going to happen to them they probably won't be able to be in the NCA. how could you be any more wrong i mean it's just come on guys got to be smarter than that yeah and they're not, because it's in ballet it's you know.
1: Uh, all right, well, before we jump into talking about the game, I want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. Big game coming up this weekend. If you want to do a little tailgating for USC, Oregon, 5 p.m. kick. You got all day. Make sure you stop by the Trader Joe's over at the USC Village. You can get lots of stuff there, beer, wine, some cheese, crackers, you know, any kind of snacks. Uh, if you want to pull up on TraderJoe's.com, they got a lot of, Halloween themed uh, products there. So there's a pumpkin pie spiced ginger brew uh, there. So there's lots There's pumpkin bisque. You want some pumpkin stuff. You can go to traderjoes.com and they can see everything you want there, but just go check it out. Uh, lots of good stuff and uh, Halloween themed. So. Good stuff there. But we, we appreciate Trader Joe's. They're always great to us.
2: Speaking of Halloween, just a FYI that we're doing an early uh, live show this week, correct?
1: Yeah, we're going to do Tunnel Vision on Thursday on Halloween, but it'll be at noon instead of uh at 7, 7. p.m. So I figure everyone's going to, you know, people out with their kids trick-or-treating and all that stuff or whatever. Um, we'll do a noon show on Thursday. So that'll be our preview show. And then our regular uh peristyle pregame show on the radio on kabc will still be at midnight so and then uh that's on friday the following yeah. day so midnight friday basically saturday morning so game day first thing in the morning you get to listen to us on the radio talking about usc and oregon all right well we have to talk about colorado we were all there wasn't quite as cold as we thought there wasn't still the cr- cold it was cold but not you know super cold there was uh no snow. There, people got snowed in. If you stayed till Sunday, a lot of people's flights got canceled coming out of Denver. So we kind of hit the perfect weather little window. Yeah, we hit the bubble. There was snow before we got there, and then snow afterwards. But Keely, maybe get on, get your overall thoughts uh, on the game.
2: You know, I think my view is kind of weird compared to USC fans. I think USC fans were mad, thinking that they underachieved. For me, the whole I said the whole week, this game was just about surviving and advancing. Because if you, you bet, lost yeah. to Colorado. It was over. Season was over, and we're talking about Clay Hilton get, maybe getting fired mid-season at that point. So, to me, with the amount of injuries that they had, I know, Ryan, you say that there's no excuse. I think that it definitely impacted USC's defense um, and USC's offense. You know, there's not much you can do when you only have Keenan Kristen back there. So, I thought, you know, it wasn't the best game. Short week, injuries, come out of there with a win, move on to Oregon yeah, don't overanalyze it too much.
1: You, maybe not expecting. I kind of expected to see a good Lavisca Chenault because he's they got healthy. Like the USC might get healthy this weekend, and you might see a better USC team. But last week, I think Colorado got healthy. They were on the road a, quite a bit, so they come home. That's why I thought they would be. It'd be a closer game. Yeah. I didn't think USC be down by ten points like on three different occasions. But um, you know, you saw a healthy Lavisca Chenault out there. You saw Stephen Montez play a lot better until he got clocked by uh, yeah by Hunter Eccles. But that's uh, you know, and that's kind of been the Pac-12. Like every week, you can see teams go up and down, up and down. You just felt like this was going to be a better Colorado team, and they were. And uh, you know, USC was like an okay team, but they weren't. They needed to play at a higher level if they were going to win by you know fourteen points or something. Yeah. What do you think, Dan?
3: Well, I think USC basically um, spent a week injured, uh really having time to think about all the injuries, having time to practice uh with all the injuries, coming off a really I thought, well played Arizona game, especially by the defense. And I get the sense that USC kind of thought I mean, you know, they said, Hey, we've already beaten the best team in the Pac twelve, Utah, and we're playing the worst team in the Pac twelve, and look how good we played at Arizona. We just have to throw our, you know, helmets out there and, you know, life is going to be easy. And then they score in three plays. Okay. So now they're like, absolutely. Could this be any easier? And they're driving for the second touchdown. They throw the interception and then Colorado gets kind of inspired. They hit it. I'm amazed at at the way their attendance is that, you know, they had almost 49,000 on a Friday night where it was a little for us. Anyway, Nippy, um, and uh, you know they got into the game, and USC allowed them to get into the game. And I know the coaches like to talk about the adjustments that they made and what happened. I just think by the fourth quarter, USC, you know, they haven't hit anybody in practice all week since so, you know they're 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 warming up to by the fourth quarter. They've done enough drills in the first three quarters that by the fourth quarter usually they're ready to play. And so they came out and, you know, outscored them fourteen to nothing. Uh, didn't let Colorado run. I mean I think I think Steven Montez maybe wasn't as sharp as he had been. But for some reason, Colorado started asking him to make some really difficult throws that didn't make any sense in terms of the time of the game and stopping the clock. And, you know, he had a pretty good game, but he's not a a long ball thrower. That's not what you want to see him doing. And they started asking him to make some really difficult deep throws when they're leading and they don't want the clock to stop. That didn't seem to make any sense at all. But the other thing is, USC turned um, like a Mike, Michael Pittman loose, and you realize, wait a minute, he's 6'4", 220 pounds, he's like five, six inches taller than any defensive back Colorado had, he's 30 pounds heavier, 35, and he's faster, it was like, they couldn't catch him, they couldn't touch him, he runs crosses, and they're all chasing him, and you thought, huh, maybe he could have scored six touchdowns in this game, if they'd have, play the way they did in the fourth quarter. I mean, USC was a lot better than Colorado, but they didn't play better until they had to play better. And then they did. and they were ready to play uh, you know by the end of the game. but uh, again, if you've got to beat Colorado because the ball bounced toward Keenan Kristen other than to the Colorado kid uh, you know on the on the one of the you know the last fumbles, uh, that's probably not the way you want to win uh, football games. I know every once in a while the ball is going to bounce your way. But, uh, man, you wouldn't want to make a living on that. And and it, it sets this week up perfectly. USC has the ability to lose to the worst team in the Pac-12, without a doubt. And within a week, people were expecting USC to beat the other best team in the Pac-12, Oregon. Which is just about as likely. I mean, I think USC's got about the same chance to lose to the worst team as it does to beat the best team. How crazy is that? Yeah. You know? Crazy.
2: And I think that speaks to the coaching. Because we saw, when they actually thought that, (laughs) that Khalil Tate was a legit threat, they changed what they did in practice. They were touting what they, the adjustments they made, and they, they stepped their game up. So I think that this team actually will do better against Oregon just because they know it's a threat rather than, okay, let's limp into Colorado, get in, get out. They're not really a threat. I think this team will actually show up because they know what the challenge Oregon presents.
3: Interesting. Well, And that's where I want them to talk about changes in coaching. I don't want to hear all that much about – oh, we made this adjustment during the game or we made that adjustment or whatever. Do it during the week. You know, let the kids uh, make all the changes during the game. Let the kids, you know, play like they've been coached up and play like they've been motivated, uh, you know, to do. And um, I think that's where, so that's where why you don't know. I mean, they obviously have to know how big a deal this Oregon game is. I mean, they beat Oregon, they really do have a chance to get into the you know, Pac 12 championship game. And if they beat Oregon, hell, they'd, they'd have to beat them again. But who, I mean, they actually do have, beat Oregon, they do have a chance to go to the Rose Bowl. As crazy as that sounds, you know, you would have thought, well, the Cow game's going to be tough, and yet they're without a quarterback and can't, you know, gain 100 yards of offense. Uh, Arizona State looks like they've mailed it in. They look like kind of USC did last year, and then you got UCLA. Who the heck knows you know what UCLA team is going to show up? But at least it's, this year it's at the Coliseum. So how big is the Oregon game? You know, it might be the biggest game in uh, in Clay Helton's career at USC, uh, in in terms of everything that that goes into what a game matter. It, it may not. I mean, it, it also may not, but, uh, but if they, if they wouldn't, you know, give themselves a chance to actually go to the Rose bowl and keep, you know, control their own destiny, um, man, it's a big deal this week. So I'm guessing they will approach it that way and, and how the kids respond and how many of them come back on defense. Uh, I don't think we know, but, uh, it sure makes for a much more fun week and a more interesting week and a better story than if the ball would have bounced the wrong way uh, Friday in Boulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I
1: think the ball the ball did bounce the wrong way like twice, and that's but to USC's benefit. It depends on yeah. you're wrong. Yeah, like if you, that those f- two fumbles happened again, like nine times out of ten, Colorado gets them somehow. Yeah, but I don't
2: deep. I don't understand how they didn't recover yeah. both of those. That's
1: like you doubled down on like nineteen in Vegas and then got a two, you know, and just like. <laughs> You're not gonna like rely on that all the time, but we'll uh, yeah we'll see. kind of go forward. I want to real quick. Um, Nancy Skinner is a uh, California State Senator uh, up in the East Bay. I believe she was one of the people that backed the uh, the the um, name, image, and likeness uh, proposal and or bill at, in California. She tweeted out, "California's leadership is a game changer once again. The NCAA's announcement shows promise uh, on giving college athletes name, image, and likeness rights." But the devil is in the details on what the NCAA means by adhering to, quote, the collegiate model and its new rules. She also, she tweeted after that, California has made it clear that we won't accept any arbitrary limitations on college athletes right to their name image and like this. So this is instant, you know, know, hey, NCAA, you can do something, but you can't just go like put your dip your toe in. You have to go all the way in or the states are going to keep hammering you. So there this is interesting, you know, just something to watch.
3: Well, I think that's a great point. I'm glad she made that point because uh, you got to keep hammering at home with the NCA. They're not very good listeners. That they don't listen well at all. I mean, when you you know we spent that month at the the Todd McNair trial, and and they're not. That's not any part of what they do. in t- listening to other people, listening to. You know, how it should be done or listening to what the rule of law says or anything. They just basically say, hey, we're the NCAA. We're going to do it our way and we don't care. Well, they finally run out, run to the place where uh, they better care and they better start listening and uh, they better start following uh, uh, Nancy Skinner. Yeah. Uh, so should we get into questions, Keely?
2: Let's do it. I'm going to start with the positive one. And Dan and I actually talked about this before Instant, and we talked about it in Instant. Uh, it's from Brennan in Colorado who said, just got to say after watching and being in the front row for the Colorado game, the energy and hype these players have is quite amazing. I don't like Clay Helton as much as the next person when it comes to coaching, but this team was into the crowd and we were feeding off of each other. Quite amazing. and makes you want to root for these kids. My question is, what record do you see USC finishing with in the last Uh, A couple games
3: yeah I don't know I mean I you know I still think uh, uh, I actually said this week if JT Daniels doesn't get hurt 10 and 2 might have been a low low pick and and that's not so much saying that USC have his act together I mean that's just not going to happen it's just (laughs) the teams USC's playing turned out not to be all that good I mean and you can talk about Utah this and how they But if you can beat anybody with your third-string quarterback who wasn't even supposed to play that game, they're not that good. Okay, they just if if they commit sixteen penalties in the game where they you know they have to win and they you know come up with a game like that, they're not that good. Notre Dame, obviously, now we saw when they ran into Michigan, they're not that good. Georgia, the team that everybody said, well, Notre Dame almost played Georgia. Now it turns out is probably not that good. Um, and, and the Pac-12, I mean the, I mean, the game that bothers me the most, obviously people know BYU wasn't any good, but the fact that USC lost by two touchdowns to Washington and acted like, oh, that wasn't too bad, it turns out Washington isn't any good. I mean, so it's not a big accomplishment to run the table. In the you know in the Pac-12, so you know should they win all the, should they win them all? Yeah, I mean the Oregon game, you know, flip a coin, but the rest of them, yeah, they ought to run the table absolutely. But uh, you know, will they? I don't know. Uh, I, you know, if you're in the Pac-12, you've got a chance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to stick with my seven and five that I said early in the season, but I think eight and four. I'm just because I'm not going to like I'm going to say I said seven and five to start. But I I think eight and four is more likely.
2: I did say eight and four. Yeah. prior to the season. So uh,
1: yeah, eight and four. I mean that was like the you know you don't you, you didn't take a risk. I took a risk saying <laughs> seven and five. Dan took a risk saying <laughs> ten and two. You just went with like the mediocre.
3: Wow. You went vanilla. But, you know. but everybody ass- <laughs> Everybody assumed that J T. Daniels would be the quarterback. True. So true. Uh, when you now you get into you know what the, what were the numbers and what should the numbers be. I mean, you got to give them credit. There aren't many teams that can do what USC did with that 18-year-old freshman quarterback. I mean, there are a few uh, where Boise has, has done well and Auburn has done pretty well and all that. But, uh, but you know, you gotta give them got to give them credit uh, in certain areas. And I still keep telling people this freshman class is way better than they – if they were re-ranked now according to production – This freshman class would be – and obviously you add Brew McCoy and Chris Steele that bumps them way above 20th that they finished. But if you look at all the guys in the secondary, most of us, you know, people don't even know who their names are. Uh, And you look at uh, how good – you know, Drake Jackson, people really liked him, but I don't know if they liked him as much as as he's performed. Obviously, Keaton Slovis has performed – You know, way better than anybody would have. You know, picked him coming out and ranked him coming out of high school. And then, you know, we've seen um, you know Keenan Christen a couple of times, and it's like, who? How good is he? How good could he be? You got to figure out how to use him. But and then you see Drake London starting to grow up and what he showed at you know at Colorado. This is a freshman class that it's really pretty good. I mean, it's just, I don't know where they, techn- you know, would be numbered if you re-rank them, but they'd be up there pretty high. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. So we have a,
2: a less happy Okay. Entry. <laughs> we'll do that, then we'll put a voicemail that Sounds might be good. Less happy also. So. It's from Dan who says, Ryan and Dan, just another example of poor play, poor coaching, poor preparation. It's time to get some professionals in here to run run this program. I know let's take another ten years to hire I know we're gonna take another ten years to hire an A D. Then we can start looking for a new coaching staff. Can anyone say urgent? Beautiful example of Clay and Clancy football. The air raid offense is a complete fraud. Can we play Arizona again? Dan.
3: I don't know if it's a complete fraud but it's it's I mean I I would have expected them to run more tempo to to run it faster and to run more plays. That's that of of all the things that they're doing. I mean, I think we were prepared that they might run the ball more than than kind of the general, uh, you know, sense of of the air raid, but it surprises me that they don't run it faster. And that they don't take advantage of of trying to you know wear people down and and all of that now you know it changes a little bit now that you've got the running backs uh, you know limited and you know in numbers but uh, but that surprises me a little bit because again you saw the fourth quarter you know those that Colorado defense was just not able to stay up with uh, just you know one guy in uh, uh, Michael Pittman so uh, I don't know how uh, you know. Whether that's whether it's a fraud, but uh yeah, professional, professional coaching that that gets you to where you're where you are every every week where you're supposed to be. I just think the the inability to run the ball, play after play after play without a breakdown. The inability. I mean, Keenan Christian can run the ball off tackle. If you just keep, you know, you get four yards, you get four yards, you whatever. He's, you know, you run him enough till he breaks one Um, and USC doesn't always give itself a chance to do some of the things it could do because of the breakdowns I mean I think they got you know when you watch uh, the film again and you look at the sack for example or the one big sack on on uh, Keaton and you had two USC you know offensive linemen double team somebody and they have you know the one guy you know you have you know, on the right side and, and one one of the two double teamers has a guy lined up right over him who's just standing there. So instead of staying there and making sure that guy can't take the quarterback, he decides to double team uh the nose tackle. And the guy says, wait a minute, there's nobody in front of me. I'll just go run in and grab the quarterback, which he does. And it's like you can't do stuff like that. You by this time of the year, you just have to understand how that works and if there's a guy standing at the line of scrimmage uh you have to he's your responsibility you can't just say well i'll double on this guy no you gotta those kinds of breakdowns i think we shouldn't be seeing them uh at this point of the year with the the talent level usc's got we just shouldn't and uh that's on i think that's on the coaches
1: all right let's go to a voicemail here you go (laughs) there
0: Hi, this is Richard from uh, Palm Springs. Please tell me that this win over Colorado is not a signature win for Helton. Uh If it hadn't been for a nice catch by Pittman, they would have lost to Colorado, a very ordinary team. <clears throat> SC makes good teams make look great. They make bad teams look even better. He does not have any substantial wins, and I guess last year up to this year, Hilton is 10-10. and 10. I guess we as SC fans, are supposed to have satisfaction with that. I don't. I still think he needs to go. It looks the same as it has for the past three years. Uh, I give him credit for the win, but uh, something's got to change, and I think it starts at the head. Enjoy your program very much. Take care and fight on.
3: Actually, I, <clears throat> I do think the Colorado game <clears throat> excuse me, was a signature win. That was a signature of the USC program. Right now, real some real talent, some talent make uh playmakers, talented playmakers that make a difference, and a lot of things that shouldn't have happened that did happen, and you know the necessity of of having some big plays and some big breaks at the end uh, to get a win that should have never been in doubt. So, unfortunately, that is kind of a a signature win for this program. That's who they are.
1: Oh. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously there's fans out there that are just like, I mean, there's, there's a mixture, but there's some fans that are like, Hey, give credit for the win, but I don't want this to mean that Clay Helton's a good coach and he's going to be our coach going forward. There's a lot of people that are just really skeptical that they don't want. Oh man, you beat Colorado, the worst team in the conference. Is is everyone going to be excited now? And then Clay Helton's coming back. So that's where I think a lot of the fans are coming from right now. They just don't want a win against a, you know, not great team, a comeback win to mean, yeah, this team's going the right direction now. They're going to be in the playoffs next year.
3: Yeah. I mean, you can be happy for the players. Yes, you uh, should be. They got it together at the end. You know, we always are. I mean, you can't, you know, whether we're supposed to root or not, you got to root for these guys. You, you know them. You like them. Uh, you want good things to happen for them, and it's not you know, necessarily always their fault. But, um, but yeah, to, to act like uh, – and, and that's the reaction after the game that we get about how all these great things happened and a lot of not great things happen. And, and it always seemed to me like the essence of coaching is coaching out the mistakes, coaching out the bad things. You know, you, you expect the good things to happen. and But I think a big part of what a coach has to do is recognize the things that didn't go well figure out why they didn't go well and make them go well the next time. And that's always seems to be the the tension that exists here is um, people saying, why don't you do something about that? And, you know, coaches that basically say, man, we got it going now. Uh, And yeah, they didn't quit. And that's great. You're on the road. You haven't won a road game. Uh, The other team is all fired up. Their fans are fired up and we'll give a lot of credit to the USC fans that were there that was they made a lot of noise and we haven't seen that in a while where the USC fans were were a factor they weren't at Brigham Young they weren't at Washington they really weren't at Notre Dame uh, but they were a factor at, at Colorado, so that was that's kind of the kind of thing that gets you a little bit upbeat about the program but um there were a lot of things that that probably should not get you upbeat uh coming out of that Colorado game, yeah,
2: yeah, well, Mike in the Bay Area says. A uh, question for Dan, Keeley, and Ryan. How has USC come to this? I realize we won, but this felt like a blowout loss. Talent-wise, we should have won 28 injuries or not. I know, this is, I know this for some time, but couldn't admit it until now. USC is no longer a football school. The powers that be have decided to line their pockets and go as cheap as possible for the program and a coach who won't rock the boat. I hope I'm wrong, but I've seen no evidence otherwise. If this guy is replaced, it will be the same model with a different look. Mike in the Bay Area.
3: Well, I don't know that they're lining their pockets. They're, they're you know, they're down twenty thousand season tickets. So what's that, twelve million dollars or whatever? I mean, they're not, a, you know, they've had to cut cut budgets back everywhere uh, in, in athletics. So uh, they're not exactly lining their pockets. So if if that's what they're trying to do, they're not doing a very good job of it. So uh, so I think I think I think it may may come down to. Um, lining USC's pockets, and 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 the decision will be, man, you know, we keep going this way. We didn't need to spend that three hundred and fifteen million dollars to uh, renovate the Coliseum. Um, so I, I think there are a lot of, of economic reasons why they they ought to change the way they're doing things. And uh, I think they have, that reality has to have set in. You know, I mean, twenty thousand season tickets lost. I mean, that's just that's not, not very good. I mean, USC doesn't have a whole lot more season tickets sold than, than Colorado. And, um, I thought, I saw that Colorado went over 20,000 season tickets this year for the first time. And they also, um, uh, I think their students, uh, they sold out the 12,400, uh, season ticket allotment for their students. So, they hired a new coach and, and, and started out really well, beat Nebraska and, you know, were playing well and, and they were more than sold out for their home games. And I think that model is pretty obvious uh, to USC uh, and, and in Los Angeles. It really, there, I mean, there's only two ways you can go either that you're the team nobody cares about like. The Angels or whatever. Uh, Excuse me. <laughs> sorry, Kelly. Whoa, shot <laughs> Excuse me. We have a new manager. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, I used to cover the Angels. Uh, I, I, like, I, I used to like the Angels. I just don't care that much about them because it doesn't seem like they're really trying or that they know what they want to do or they figured anything out. And if USC is in that category in Los Angeles, you just almost don't exist. So you're either, you know, you're either going for national championships and and fighting like crazy to, you know, to have the best coach in town or the best uh, weekend product in town, or you're not. And I think USC, I don't think you've got a choice in Los Angeles. And and it, it may be why, when you look at USC's history, they either have a whole bunch of kind of nondescript coaches, or they've got three or four great coaches, all of whom win national championships. So it's like, there's no in between in Los Angeles and there's no in between, uh, for USC. You either get, get it done. You get your act together and you're somebody really special. You dominate on the West coast and you compete with everybody in the country or you're just where USC has been for the last, uh, uh, almost, you know, decade really. Uh, and, and that's got to change, I think. And, and this, you know, it has to happen fairly soon. It does. Um, You got another one there, Keely?
2: I have a lot, Ryan. All
1: right, do do another one, and uh, yeah, then we'll do a voicemail after that.
2: Okay, Uh, it's from our buddy Stephen Poway, who says, Dear Dan and Ryan, in retrospect, did Clancy Pendergast scheme that game against Colorado properly? Specifically, uh, was an almost 100% healthy LaVisca Chenault double-teamed enough? No matter where he was or what he did, he seemed to be unstoppable. Fight on, Steve and
3: Poway. I do think that's one of the issues with having the, the young guys they, uh, as many, and they did play them I mean, I give them credit. They said they were going to play them They played them I think they get a little nervous about whether they've got them uh, up to speed on doing really uh, maybe more sophisticated stuff, uh, like you, you're talking about with LaVisca. I, I mean, I, I absolutely – I mean, it, it, you see what teams do to Michael Pittman. Uh, I think when you've got situations where – you've got one or two guys like on Colorado that are so much better than the rest of the team. Uh, I, I don't think it's wrong to just say whatever we have to do to take them out of the game, that's what we're going to do. Uh, but I, I just think there may be some truth to the ability, you know, to USC's coaches feeling like they maybe don't quite have the ability to coach them up to that level. And they're just happy if they're doing the basic things Right, which they seem to be doing, and you know, give them all you know the credit in the world. When you got a Britton Allen out there, you know, at the end of the game uh, in the secondary, I mean, that's terrific. Uh, but uh, uh, I think maybe as we go on, I mean, and I think that's one of the problems with uh, maybe not quite coaching them up to to game tempo and speed and pressure and all that during the week is um, the ability to do some things like that on the fly. Uh, cause I, as Ryan said, you, you think you might be going to get the real LaVisca Chenault, but maybe you're not. I mean, I don't think the Colorado fans know from game to game. I mean, they were really unhappy with Steven Montez and Chenault. And so, uh, you know, you're not always sure who's going to show up and how you're going to have to play him. So, uh, I think with, like with Michael Pittman, you're kind of sure how he's going to play. So teams don't go into the game kind of thinking, well, how are we going to have to play this guy? They do what Notre Dame did and everybody else. They just say, we can't let him beat us. Um, But, uh, but I think, and you know, if you'd had uh, guys that had played more, you might be able to do that, Steve. But uh, I think they were just trying to just keep everybody on the same page, no big busts. And, and, and they kind of mostly got that done.
1: All right. Good points, Deb. We'll be back in a second, getting back to the questions, but I want to tell everyone out there about Seat Geek, because it's a great way to get tickets to any live sporting event, concerts, comedy shows, anything like that. USC, of course, has a huge game coming up this weekend against the University of Oregon. And you want to find tickets somewhere. Sometimes those ticketing websites, they make it really hard to get where you want. If you go to the Seat Geek app, I got it up right now. It is really easy. There's little green dots, red dots, yellow dots all around the Coliseum. Where do you want to sit? How much are those seats going to cost? How many seats do you want? If it's a big green dot, it'll say, hey, this is a great deal. If it's a, if it's a yellow dot, it's like, oh, it's an okay deal. If it's a red dot, that you know that's more of a premium seat that you're paying a premium for. So it's a great way to get tickets to any live event. And they also have a price match guarantee. SeatGeek is proving that there's a better way. It's just a better process overall. So what they do is pull millions of tickets from all over the web. Then they'll rate each deal on a scale of one to 10. And then they break it down on that interactive map that I told you about. So I love using the app. I've got friends coming in town. We're using SeatGeek to get tickets for USC, Oregon. You can do that too. If you're going to go to the game, they'll even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. If you download the app and use the promo code USC. So download the SeatGeek app today, use promo code USC for $10 off your first purchase that's promo code USC for $10 off your first purchase all right let's jump into a
4: voicemail question here you go Dan hello uh Parastyle podcast um I'm a very uh, avid listener to you and uh, I have a message for or a question for uh Dan and uh, I thought about that thing he said a few weeks ago about not rooting against USC, you'll feel bad and everything, and don't worry about it, because, uh, pretty much the, um, it was in the cards that, reading between the lines, it was in the cards that, uh, Clay Helton was, would not continue past this season. At least that's what it sounded like uh, Dan was saying. And, uh, now that we've, uh, uh, Survived. We couldn't beat uh, Notre Dame, of course, but uh, we survived a couple of uh, tomato cans, and we have more tomato cans to to play, with the exception of Oregon next week. Uh, I I must say I I I was I'm beginning to question Dan's words. I'm beginning to wonder whether or not it. Uh, I really want USC to, to go undefeated the rest of the way because I don't want to see Clay Helton back here again with his his uh, weak climate and culture of uh, non-difficult practices, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, on and on and on. And we all know the, the old stuff. It's an old story by now. And I'd just like to know what Dan might have to say to my peculiar question. Thank you and love your show and uh Look forward to hearing you,
3: yeah, I think it's a good question because I think a lot of people really have gotten into the uh, thinking that it's gonna be week to week. Uh, do you win this week, and does that change the you know the calculation? I think at this point in time in a uh, program in a coaching career, uh, you know in a regime, let's say. It's no longer week to week. It I can't be week to week. I mean, week to week, you can't possibly recruit week to week. It's one of the reasons it's really hard uh, recruiting the California kids. They're the closest to the program. And I don't think people want to be part of a program where it's like, well – I'm recruiting you, and I think I'll be back if we win this week. I think I'll be your coach. But if we don't win this week, or if the ball bounces the wrong way, maybe I won't be. That's really that's too hard to that just can't work. So, so I, I think most people ought to root for USC to um, these kids to win every game, win the Pac-12 South, win the Pac-12 Championship, go to the Rose Bowl. Win the Rose Bowl and still have what a lot of people, including our caller, believe uh, must happen for the USC football program. I don't think those two uh, can't both happen. And so if you said to me, you have the control of how this is all going to play out, I think that's how I'd have it play out. I'd have it, you know, play out with uh, USC showing up and playing. Every game the rest of the way, and uh, and then I I think you need to say what's the best thing for this USC program to uh, compete for national championships. Uh, how do they get there? How do you get the coach of the caliber of Howard Jones, uh, John McKay, Pete Carroll? That I would think is the model for USC. And uh, you know if, if you know if you think. That's where they are now then then you can think that, but uh I think that has to be where that decision is and if you if you say it really bothers us that season tickets are down you know twenty thousand. It bothers us that uh, that was the smallest crowd for a Notre Dame game in the Coliseum ever um if things like that bother you then uh then maybe you just have to say. This program maybe isn't going exactly where we see uh, a USC football program going. And uh, then it doesn't become, how did you do against Colorado? It can't come down to that, I don't think. Uh, The program has to be more solid than that. Yeah.
2: We have a question from Earl in West LA who says, Dan, what is considered a horse collar penalty? I saw Caleb Turnley make a terrific tackle against Colorado when he grabbed the Colorado player by the jersey just above the armhole. He was flagged for a horse collar. I thought you had to actually grab the collar for that to be a penalty. Am I wrong? By the way, kudos to Clay Helton and the staff. I know everyone likes to hate on him, but he must be doing something right to go on the road on a short week, down ten starters, playing numerous freshmen, and still being able to come from behind for the win. Thanks for all you do, Earl in West LA. Yeah,
3: I think Earl some, doing some things wrong or right is uh, is what's happening. I don't think there's any question. Uh, you know, they, the kids don't quit. Um, they 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 played you know till the 60th minute. Um, so they're definitely doing some things right. And if you watch them and you know, how they're into the game and all that, they are, I mean, that wasn't the case last year, but, uh, so they're definitely doing some things right. As far as the horse collar, as far as I know, the, the point of the horse collar was that you could grab a guy by the back of the, the opening and the neck opening and, and, and essentially also maybe get a little bit of the shoulder pads. And you could really do some harm and do some injury uh, to to that. But I don't think it applies if you grab, you know, a guy's jersey, uh, fifteen inches away from his, you know, the horse collar area, and and take him down by the jersey. I don't think I don't think jersey tackles have ever been uh, been outlawed. And if you saw somebody sent me a, a still shot of the very end of that play. And Caleb Trembley is as far away from a horse collar as you can physically be, uh, you know, and still be grabbing a guy's, uh, you know, a guy's arm. I mean, you know, it's an arm tackle, a, a, a jersey tackle, but it wasn't a horse collar. And the thing that bothers you is that you have a Pac-12 official who's not like five feet away from that, looking right at it. And he missed it. I mean, I just think that's uh, – that's problematic. And, P. Uh, you know, if it starts with P and it, it's a Pac-12 uh, official, it's it's a problem.
2: Yeah. I will say from my vantage point, it looked like a horse collar. So, but I'm not being paid to officiate the game either. Right. So, <laughs> But then <laughs> if
3: you do look at the video. Yeah, and no. If you look where they slow it down and they show you the exact – I mean, it, 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 and that's why – He's getting paid like a thousand dollars plus expenses, or twelve hundred, whatever they get these guys, or fifteen hundred now. I mean, it's probably, you know, probably up to that. He's got to get that right. No, I yes. Mean, that's why he's there. You know, you just it happened right in front of you. You have to know what you saw, and you don't start thinking, "Uh oh, was that a horse collar or not?" Because the flag was late. Yeah, it was and late. It, you, just want, you don't want guys who are not so sure of what just happened in front of them. I mean, that's not why you're there.
2: Well, that seems to be the Pac-12 ref trend, but that's another discussion. We have an email from Gary, class of 75, who says, Ryan and or Dan, one of the players who I don't think has gotten enough praise this season is Brett Nealon. He's been a significant upgrade from last year and that he usually gets the ball into the QB's hands. An important skill for a center, no? In my uneducated opinion, he seems to block well and have a good balance. Since he was raised in Japan, do you know if he has had martial arts training in the past? I'm interested in your overall thoughts on his performance. Thanks, and fight on. Beat the Ducks, Gary, class of 75.
3: I don't think it's martial arts with the, raising the hand. I think there are other signals in, involved there. Yeah, he's a terrific uh, uh, kid. I mean, you like to have a center who kind of likes to be in the center of things he likes to be uh you know having the pressure of getting that snap back he likes to be the guy that has to make the calls he likes coming after the game and talking to you uh he's very upbeat uh i would probably i would like to see him and he got himself to 300 pound uh and he's a, a kind of a technique skill guy and uh and i know he's really worked on the waist. i i probably would like to see him get to be a little bit more uh, of a force and and again I think it's hard on this team because they don't do that uh, enough uh, during the week where they really get to pound pound on people and uh, but he's been you know wonderful in terms of of, of being the guy that makes the calls being the guy that you just know that snap is going to be there. Uh, he's not afraid to take on the, all the responsibilities uh, of being that guy in the middle of the line. Uh, yeah, he's been a, he been a real, real plus uh, with this team this year.
2: We have an email from Bear Secutor who says, Dan, revisiting Bill Parcell's rubric, does the win-loss record of 2019 uh, the 2019 Trojans reflect who they are? One, weakness of schedule, and two, injuries have been quote-unquote surprises yet re- revelatory. Notre Dame was exposed this week as uh, Fresno State, BYU, Stanford, and a Moss-less Utah already were. USC has played a weak schedule. Win or lose this week, Oregon will be at best a top 10, not playoff team. Are USC's injuries really two standard deviations for the norm, from the norm? Hardly a one-standard deviation. Stop making me think about statistics for a Probably that shouldn't be anywhere near enough to stop USC from walking all over the Pac-12 South competition. And the best teams get their bench ready to compete, and they recruit so they aren't compelled to lean on freshman quarterbacks opening day. USC has to stop playing quote-unquote reindeer games. Season ticket renew- renewals and 2020 recruiting demonstrate that the wheels come off the bus next year absent dramatic change.
3: Uh, bear Secutor, If you start with the bills Parcells comment, and you know, I, I was a uh, uh, sports columnist and, and deputy sports editor at the Asbury Park Press, and he was one of our guys, he was a Jersey Shore guy. And uh, he said, You are what your record says you are, that's who you are. Don't don't tell me you're anything else, that's who you are. I think if you look at this team. I think a little bit more than a standard deviation. If you lose your quarterback in the first half of the first game, and the the guy backing him up is an 18 year old true freshman from a small program in Arizona, so I think there might have been a little bit more of an uh, you know of an adjustment there. And yet, you're right. The schedule has not. It looked like I know at times in the beginning of the year people were saying that the USC schedule was the third toughest schedule in the country or whatever. Second, third, uh, it has turned out not to be the case. Um, uh, and even, you know, with the PAC 12 teams that are ranked, uh, you know, how good, how good really are they? Um, so should USC probably walk over everybody in the PAC 12 South? Yeah. Uh, without a doubt that, that that just should be a given. Um, so, uh, I think Bear is, is, is pretty pretty much on target. Uh, that, that there shouldn't be too much congratulations if you win if you win the Pac-12 South, uh, especially when you know Utah just has a tendency to not quite get there when everybody thinks they're going to get there. I mean, they they just they just haven't, and they didn't this year uh, as well. So USC has to take advantage of that despite the, despite the injuries, I think they've been given an opportunity. They've got the tiebreaker. Uh, They've been given an opportunity to do it and they get the big, you know, the two biggest games, they get them at home. Uh, So, you know, things are going USC's way, uh, you know, in a lot of ways. So uh, uh, yeah, so it shouldn't be with, with, with asterisks or caveats or whatever. No, USC, you are who you are. You are who your record says you are. And that's why this week is so important. Um, you know, the, the Brigham Young loss says a lot about who you are. The fact that they couldn't be more competitive at Washington uh, says a lot about who you are. Um, but, you know, they got it kind of going in the right direction at Notre Dame. They played a full game. They win the Notre Dame game. Uh, now they've got to start playing full games and and that means they got to practice uh right for the whole week with the right attitude with the right emphasis and uh and you know it's their form I don't disagree when when clay says you know it's in their hands but it's in all their hands including the coaches uh, it, everybody's kind of in control of uh you know their destiny for USC uh still and um now now you just got to do it
1: All right, let's go to another voicemail. Here we go, Dan.
5: Hi, guys. Um, This is for Ryan and Kiwi and Dan. This is Joan Levis. Um, I just want to say something positive because I'm so tired of being negative, and I hate being a negative person. I just want to say that um, this 2019 team is a real team. They fight, they claw, and they want to win. You can just tell. I mean, they just never – Ever give up. They never say die. Uh, I kudos to them. Hopefully, um, they can finish out the season and do what they do and continue to win. That would be awesome. And then I believe next year with a positive and powerful coaching change, they will be something quite spectacular. Anyway, uh, thanks for um, everything from Colorado. That was, uh, great stuff um i'm really proud of them for for coming back in the end uh it's cold up there and the altitude is terrible i lived in it for a long time and if you're coming from uh, sea level and, and trying to play in that it is it's really tough so uh again a big shout out to the team thanks bye guys
3: Good, good to hear from Joan. I'm glad Joan's uh, upbeat because uh, Joan sees things pretty clearly, and uh, and that's a good. I I think one of the underplayed uh, things the Colorado game was playing at altitude. USC was the stronger team in the fourth quarter, and that says a lot about a lot of things. I think this USC team's in pretty good condition, and uh, I thought they handled it well. They didn't overstate, you know. Oh, we're going to be in the, you know, the thin atmosphere and all that. But uh, but I thought they, I thought they they knew. Okay, this is going to take some adjustments, and maybe uh, we're going to play some more guys and play more men, you know, more plays than we normally would. But they seemed to handle that, I thought, with a lot of kind of you know real, reality and maturity, and just went out and and, and played and uh, and and did you know show you what they could do. And um, I do think this team has the the makings with all the young guys you know getting really serious experience this year with people you know are gonna are gonna be there you know for next year. That this is a, this is a team that that is built to take a, a pretty big jump in terms of, uh, national competitive, ne- uh, competitiveness next year. And obviously you open the season, you know, with Alabama and Texas and, you know, what an opportunity, uh, that is. So, uh, um, you know, it's there. It's there for the taking. I think it's one of those where you can just say, wow, that, that was fast. They, uh, you know, they don't lose that many bodies. You now they, they don't get that many um, in this next recruiting class. But um, but with the, the 2019 class showing up the way it is, um, I don't know that, that that's going to make a crucial difference. Because uh, you look around, pretty much, you know, you look at all the units and you just think, they're all going to be back, so uh, um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty upbeat that that next year could be special if if they get everything right.
2: It's a big if indeed. Uh, we have an email from Dan, class of 1962, who says, "Hi, Keeley, Ryan, and Dan. A win is a win, and welcome for our Trojans. Even though the defense couldn't find a way to stop the one great player on the Colorado team until he went out with the injury." It also helped the Colorado use the USC offense by stopping the run game after Montez got hurt, even though the backup QB did a good job of running the option. My question has to do with injuries. Keenan Kirsten was dinged up by running him into the middle of the defense instead of using his speed to the outside, especially on swing passes. Do USC players get their ankles taped before games and practices, and do they use knee braces, both flexible or rigid? John McKay used to have all of his offensive linemen wear rigid knee braces. Also, with all the shoulder injuries, should players have bigger shoulder pads? Some defensive players look like they're wearing quarterback pads, which don't protect the shoulder adequately. Always thanks for your insights and fight on, Dan, class of
3: 1962. Yeah, I think Dan – where they're getting injured i think are mostly hyperextension. Uh, you know I, and i don't know that you know the bigger shoulder i mean i think this the way they these shoulder pads are constructed you're probably better off with the the smaller more, more form-fitting ones just because of the the protective material they're made of than you were back in the day when we would wear those big lineman shoulder pads and what have you um uh, but I do think a lot of the a lot of the you know injuries that we're seeing are, are overextensions and not not so much just getting you know directly hit. Uh, those have resulted in the you know the broken bones. Although they would tell you, for example, Talanoa Hafanga, they tell you they don't think there's any way he can break a uh, break a bone now because of the amount of metal he's got in his shoulder. He's probably not going to get through a um, uh, you know an air you know, uh, the check at uh, a security line, I guess, uh, security check at the airport anymore, but, um, uh, it's more the, uh, where the joints, uh, you know, get, get taken a little bit of, of a or the separations or, or what have you. So, uh, so I don't know if, you know, if that's, uh, if that's the way to go, but, um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to think what, where, where Dan started out with, uh, on that question. I, I was so focused on the shoulder pads, Part of it, but uh, what what was his uh, the first uh, question for Dan?
2: Uh, it said one was running Keenan up the middle has the potential of getting him injured rather than using his feet the outside, especially on swing passes, but also about getting their ankles taped.
3: Oh no, they they do get their ankles taped. I mean, they I don't think you know that used to be a deal where the coaches were always checking to see and guys were like oh i'd rather not and i don't know that there's anybody now that even thinks about trying to to do anything without without getting your ankles taped i can't even I, it's hard to even imagine that that's the case uh but uh as keenan i like running him in there but i think I like running more the 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 classic old uh, uh, off-tackle power play uh, and trying to create some seams and and just get him through there. And and hopefully, you know, the defense you might end up with where he's one-on-one with somebody. And, you know, you might run him nine times and – nothing happens uh, and they started getting where they were getting four and five yards of pop with him uh, as, as they ran it, you know, whether that was the, uh, uh, the zone, you know, the, all, uh, you know, the outside zone or not, but I just think he's got the potential if they could, consistently create seams and just run that play and run that play and run that play he's a tough kid and he he certainly plays bigger than 181 pounds and uh he would i would think if you're you're playing defense he's got to scare you because you only have to make one mistake or you only have to have a guy leaning the wrong way and if if he's through and he still hasn't you know, done all of his elusive uh, development as a, um, as a running back. But that speed is the kind of thing where he gets through, you know, say th- four or five yards, and now it's him in, in the second in either the safety or the corner. And he's looking at the flag and it's kind of one of those things where he's thinking, can I beat that guy? Do I have enough of an angle? And um, he might. And so I, I, I would like to see him. And I think Clay talked about this Sunday night, uh, the idea that they're, they're kind of feeling that he had 14 carries and, uh, two, he caught the ball twice. Like on the, on the, they had a designated play, uh, at the goal line to throw him the ball. And it's like, they had no chance to, uh, tackle him. I mean, he just, he just, uh, released into the flat. And as soon as he got the ball, it's like, okay, that's a score. Uh, there was nothing they could do. I thought that when they talked about wrinkles that they were going to have for Colorado, I thought one of the wrinkles was going to be, uh, figuring out ways to get him the ball in the flat or figure out ways to get him outlet passes or something like that. Now we didn't see any of that. I gotta imagine they're, they're figuring out how to do that because you just never know. I mean, one misstep by a defender and, you know, you might have a touchdown, and and so um, so I'd be on the lookout for that uh, the rest of the season. But but I I like it that they're they're very confident in him now. You know, he he protects the football. He's got you know the toughness, and um, he's uh, he's special. And you know, again, people probably say he's special. It took six games before he even you know, and, and how many injuries before he got on the field? And that's a, probably a really legitimate. Uh, Uh, second guess, but, uh, but keep your eye on him. He, he's, uh, he's special and he's he's a really serious kid. Uh, He's got toughness about him that you don't always assume that track kids are going to have, especially one as fast, uh, as talented as he is in track. Uh, He's, uh, he's special. So I I think he's going to be fine uh, in, in terms of whatever happened to him in the Colorado game. You probably uh, expect those kinds of things to, to happen when you run it up in there but I think uh, I think you're going to see a lot of him
1: alright let's go to one last voicemail and then I think we got a couple more emails but there's the last voicemail of the show here you go Dan
0: Hi, Curtis from Moreno Valley. It's Tuesday, and I'm going to predict the USC victory against Oregon this week. I don't care what the score is. If we win by one or win by 50, we win, like we do in the Coliseum. And what I don't want to hear from the peristyle is excuses for Oregon. You guys have turned into Utah apologists. I am so tired of hearing, oh, well, their running back was hurt. Oh, I think they would play us differently if they played now. Well, you know what? You're in fantasy land. You can't play Utah again. They lost. That's why they're in second place. I don't care who else they beat, they lost to us. And that should be final. We beat Oregon. Please don't make excuses for them. What happens on the football field of honor? stays there. Don't pick apart no wins for SC. Curtis from Moreno Valley.
3: Uh, a good up. point, Curtis. I, I think it's interesting. Uh, I spent some time this week looking at the Oregon uh, 24-7 site. <clears throat> and it took... I'm trying to think how many teams they mentioned uh, before they got around to mentioning USC. The, the people, you know, the media, the uh, posters, uh, even <clears throat> to some extent, the Oregon people, uh, you know, coaches and players a little bit. But then that's governed somewhat by the questions you asked. But some of the questions they were asking are, uh, which would you rather do? Go to the Rose Bowl or go to the college football playoffs? And what's it going to take for us to convince people that we're as good as, you know, the top four, three, four teams in the country? And how, uh, and then there were some realists, uh, realists who were writing in saying, well, how good are we? How good is this Oregon team? You know, we needed a last second field goal to beat uh, Washington state. And, and then you know, there were the inevitable, you know, uh, comparisons between Washington state's air raid and USC's air raid. And the general consensus was USC has way better players. Oregon's, I mean, Washington state runs it way better than USC does. And, you know, they, they don't have a great deal of, of good things to say about USC other than USC's got a lot of talent. Uh, but, uh. It, I was surprised how much talk there was about whether they should go to the Rose Bowl or the playoffs, and I'm thinking you got a pretty big game this week that you probably need to take care of before you start worrying about the Rose Bowl or the playoffs. Uh, but so I, don't, I think that might play into you know some things this week, and and I don't think USC is going to have to worry if they um, if they win the win Saturday, they're not going to have to. Uh, care about what people say about how they won the game. Uh, it's not like Colorado.
2: I love the dramatic pause that Curtis from Marino Valley has. He yeah. finishes and then it's like, Curtis from Marino yeah. Valley. The mic drop.
1: Then he also calls like on like Thursday, like when we're not doing a show, before the game and then we don't have another show till after the game, so it's hard <laughs> to play what he's doing. But Curtis loves to call. I think it's uh, therapeutic for him.
2: Yeah, we always say it's free therapy. Yeah, He takes advantage Thanks, of it. Thanks, Curtis. Uh, We have have an email from Garrett who says, Hi, guys. Greetings from Ann Arbor. I saw something a few days ago saying that Florida State was considering parting ways with Willie Taggart and that Urban Meyer would be their top target. If this is the case, do you think it incentivizes an earlier decision at USC regarding either Helton or the AD? You, Ryan, have said that he would likely want the USC job because he can either win a title there due to the national brand. FSU has a strong brand as well, so it may be something to consider. Love the show, and thanks for putting the tunnel visions up on the podcast feed for those of us who can't tune in live. Fight on, Garrett.
1: Hey, Garrett, real quick. um, Yeah, he's not going to Florida State, dude. Like, He's not going to Michigan. He's not going to Florida State. You're not going to the arch rival of a place you won national championships. Would Pete Carroll ever coach UCLA? No, he wouldn't do that. And So there's no way Urban Meyer is going to Florida State.
3: Yeah, I think – I think I saw a tweet from the Florida State AD saying that very same thing. He said, we're also not going to try to get Steve Spurrier to coach us (laughs) either. So they were trying to be, uh, but I think they know he's not coming there and they don't want to get caught up in in something like that. I mean, it's just hard to even imagine. Uh, I don't know what Urban ever said about Florida State, but I think Spurrier made fun of, what did he call him? free shoes you after they got caught yeah. um, taking a bunch of free shoes <laughs> and he had, I would think no Florida coach ever could coach at Florida state. It's no. just not going to happen. You, it's make, just... you make choices in your life
1: and there's sometimes there's, uh, there, there's a choice that, you know, oh, I can go back. I want chicken today, but I'll have steak tomorrow. You can do, you can change that. There's other choices you can't change. If you pick UCLA or USC, I mean, now there's rare occasions where someone grows up like a UCLA fan and ends up going to USC, but you know, you're going to date like two sisters. Like you got to pick one. You like them both. You date one. You're never going to date the other one. That's a choice that you've made for life. So he coached at Florida. He's never going to coach at Florida state.
3: I think it happened once and it didn't turn out well. And I was involved a little bit. Rick Pitino coached at Kentucky and then he coached at Louisville and uh, that he, he probably never lived down having coached at Kentucky at Louisville the Kentucky people never stopped hating him, and I'm not sure the Louisville people ever co- totally trusted him. But I don't know that I can think of any other comparable situation where a guy tried to, to do that. It just doesn't work. Yeah.
2: All righty. Final question from Dan, class of 1962. He says, Hi, Ryan, Dan, and Keeley. It's the fact that you get what you pay for unless you are being scammed. The list of highest-paid coaches was released, and of course the Clemson and Alabama coaches are 1-2 and two in the ranking. But more telling is the lack of Pac-12 coaches in the top 25 and Helton sixth in the Pac-12. With less money from TV contracts due to Larry Scott's limited Pac-12 network and smaller venues in most Pac-12 cities, the Pac-12 does not have the funds to compete for top coaches. USC, along with Oregon and a few other schools that have the donors to make up the in- income deficit if the school is willing to spend the money. USC alumni and fans need to... Need a statement from the new president regarding athletic spending. If we're spending money like Mountain West, Mountain West schools, then we should not expect anything other than mediocrity. Has anyone asked the new president about the investment in athletics to compete at the highest level for, at the highest level for the best coaches and support staff? Fight on, Dan, class of nineteen
3: sixty-two. You know, I think it was interesting though that when Pete Carroll uh, made the big jump uh, after uh, winning the Orange Bowl and. What have you? I think um, he got to be the number one, highest-paid coach in the country, um, and so I mean, I think that's potent- that potential is there uh, for USC. I mean, the money makes sense if you're if you're that guy, if you're the best coach in the country, if you're winning national championships. I don't think USC is in any more difficult spot uh, to pay a coach than than all the people you would expect to pay. Uh, the big money. Uh, USC will not have any trouble. Now, in the transition time, they may need to get uh, you know some boosters uh, to underwrite uh, original salaries and things like that. But I think the money takes care of itself. If you are the guy that USC thinks you are, if you're the guy that USC needs you to be, uh, the money will be there. I mean, USC right now spends the same amount of money on football as Clemson. Now, obviously, it costs a heck of a lot less to live in Clemson, South Carolina, or to do, uh, do a lot of things in Clemson, South Carolina. But it's not that USC isn't, you know, they're not going to spend anywhere near as much as Ohio State spends or, or Texas or Texas A&M. But USC spends enough money to be competitive uh, even now, and, and that has to go up. And if they get the right coach uh, and they say, you're the right guy, tell us what we need to do. He's gonna tell them they need to do things like at Ohio State. They paid, uh, they were paying a the best probably uh, recruiting graphics uh, designer guy in the country who uh, was like 22 years old. And Texas tried to hire him away when Tom Herman had been at Ohio State. He wanted that guy. And Ohio State said, here's 300,000 a year. It's a kid just barely out of college. <clears throat> said, we're going to pay you 300 grand and we need you to stay here. And he stayed and they're, they do a great job, but there may be, you know, places where USC hasn't even anticipated even remote. I mean, there might not be anybody at USC that even knows that's where you may be going in some of these areas. But, uh, that's why you have a head coach who comes in and says, this is what we're going to do. This is what we have to do and do it. And, probably haven't had that level of, uh, of commitment and you're probably going to have to have it in, in some areas that it's not there now, but it, I think it, those things pay off. Uh, you don't want to spend money foolishly. Uh, but if you can get that guy, who's the best guy in the country, you might be uh, willing to pay for him.
1: Yeah. That should pay for itself. You, you spend that money, just the tickets alone, you're going to make money on. So yeah, good stuff, Dan. All right. Uh, we got nothing else, right, Keely?
2: Nope, I don't think my voice can take anymore. Yeah,
1: Keely's <laughs> a little under the weather, um, you know, which is rare. She's usually uh, <sighs> what a troll. peak of health. Such I'm just kidding. No. Uh, no, I feel bad. We want Keely to feel good. Shotgun was a little. He was a little under the weather too. Harvey Hyde was. It's
2: going I'm taking, around. I'm oh. Taking
1: my vitamins. I hope I'm not going to get sick. You sin, should.
2: But. Yes.
3: The short uh, week. See, that's why I got out of uh, Colorado as soon as I could. I didn't even stay the, an extra. I'm out of there. Get me out of here.
2: The short week hurt us all. How about that? It was, uh,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, it was kind of nice over the weekend, though, like just to watch some games and stuff, and you get a little extra time. But you know, and this week's a little better because it's like you're you're coming in a little slower. Last week, just everything's accelerated, Yeah. it all goes. Like, I think yeah. that's
2: what did me in. <laughs>
1: yeah, you got to pack it all in. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, we got Dan on the new line. It sounds da, 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 so much da. better. Awesome all stuff. Right. Yeah, uh, Keely, you're. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. Enjoy the game this weekend. We will have a preview podcast coming up on Wednesday uh, with Matt Prem, who does a great job covering the Ducks for Duck Territory here on 24-7 Sports. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with that. We'll have our Tunnel Vision show Thursday afternoon. And of course, enjoy the game this weekend. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting and delicious products at such great everyday prices this is dan bain of trader joe's the answer is simple it's all in the way we do business we buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible this helps to keep our costs low and we pass those savings on to you no gimmicks just great values at honest prices every day at trader joe's thanks for listening